Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, I'm never taking off my Ali Wong glasses. I'm officially a Keanu Reeves fangirl. And Randall Park goes on an extremely successful tour and becomes the hottest rapper. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk. Good morning, Diana. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I love that you have the title of this episode in big block letters on your notes. Well, I've already messed it up like four times, so. Call me maybe is something that I've been calling it. Yeah. It's not the Always be my maybe. It's a hard one for your brain. First of all, it's like one word too long. Well, it's a playoff of the Mariah Carey song. Right. But it's like not... It it doesn't it doesn't work in some way. Your brain can't remember it. Mine can't. No, a hundred percent. And I also think that it doesn't match the movie very well. It's kind of not what the movie is about. Yes, I think it was what the movie was going to be about, and then it like went through a writing process, and Ali Wong got her hands like I think that it like has gone through some iterations, and it's now no longer about what the title suggests. Yeah, because the title suggests that it's a will they or won't they that. You know, you're always going to be my backup is kind of what I thought we were walking into, which is not what's happening at all. No, I thought it was going to be about two people who, yeah, like have each other as each other's backups. They go through a first marriage, doesn't work out. Maybe one of them has a kid and then they're like kind of figuring that out and they get married at like 42 Mm. and we get that love story at an age that historically we don't. Yeah. But that didn't happen. That is not what the show... No, that's, that's not, not a movie this, we're talking about. <laughs> not, not a movie that's happening today, at least. But maybe it's in production somewhere. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, movie titles are very hard to really nail down. It's like, it's often the last part of the process. Yeah. You know, so I, I get that sometimes it can kind of just feel... And there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to... You know, copyright mm-hmm. it hasn't been used. It's a tough... It's a tough shtick, you know? Is that a thing? Like, you can't call a movie something that... It, like, I couldn't make Jaws. Or I couldn't make, like, E.T. I believe but it's about, like, you a girl. could get sued, yes. Really? But also, when you think about it from a promotion standpoint, and, like, a Google, and a, you, you also don't want to be that adjacent to something that sounds... That is the exact same title. You know what I mean? 100%. I could see that. So but what if it's, like, E.T. really works for the story I made about a young girl who moves to the south of France? And it's like, it has to be called E.T. Like, Steven Spielberg, give me the rights. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you'd have to pay for them. I don't know. Ooh, I don't know how you handle that. Anyways, it's a weird title. I also feel like Knock Down the House was a weird title for the AOC doc. It was, yeah. Do you hear me stumbling? Like, I can't even remember it as I'm well, trying to talk about it. Well, didn't I mess that one down, up too? Was Didn't I call it like Knocking Down? Yeah, house, we called it Bring Down the House, which is mm. a comedy. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's a Netflix thing. Maybe they just like go with whatever they think of top of mind. They're giving a lot of creative freedom to their producers and directors. Do we think so? Yeah, that's, I think so. That's a thing they're doing. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like Netflix, I think it's like the opposite of what I think of a Netflix to be. I think of Amazon as being the one that's like, 
giving all this love and freedom to their producers. Oh. I think of Netflix as being like, no, you're going to like oh, I, get in the algorithm. No, I and feel like, like they've got so much money. They're like, do that, do that, do that, whatever. Oh. Go for it. Who oh, yeah, cares, we whatever. about this during the Wine Country episode where it's yeah, like they just kind of let Amy Poehler run with it. Sure, why not? A big bottle of Chardonnay. All right, well, this this week we have Ali Wong on the docket. I love to see all these women making these movies, by the way. <sighs> Wow, wow, wow. Ali Wong. I mean, we could just spend the whole episode talking about her, which we probably will. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who else are we going to talk about? Because I will say I love Randall Park. Yeah. Obsessed. Mm-hmm. I think when he gets to really play in the comedic realm, yeah. you know, like I, you know, we love him from Fresh Off the Boat. But when he gets to dip into like Veep and we get to see him have fun. Yeah. It's such a joy. However... Next to Ali Wong, holy, it's like, and no offense, but there's such a, a level of excellence. And because they were both writers on this movie, you know the words that she is saying are words she has written. And it's so, it fits so perfectly and seamlessly together that I almost wanted the movie, which I know is not their intention, to be more about her. Because I thought she was such a star that just shone so bright. Mm-hmm. That I was like, I'm going to need four more movies where she's just the lead. Good news is, is I think we're going to get that. Because I mean, I she's don't... a movie star. I remember watching this movie and I was, I remember I watched it like a week ago. <laughs> Back in the day when I watched this movie that just came out on Netflix. Um, I said to Umer, because he loves Ali Wong so dearly. Mm-hmm. And so we were watching it together. Um, and I just, I remember saying halfway through, I was like, Ali Wong is a fucking movie star. Movie star. And then at the end with the two of them, uh, you know, she's like, I named it after your, I named the restaurant after your mom, blah, blah, blah. I remember saying to him again, these two have such a next level chemistry with each other that I was not at all prepared for the level. Yeah. I could not believe how much I was rooting for them, mm-hmm. how much I loved them being on screen together. And this comes back to something I've talked about on the show previously is that I feel like it's been such a long time since I've watched a movie or a TV show where I'm really rooting for the love story. Yeah. Where you care about the characters. Yeah. And I'm like, I love you both separately, but I also really want you to be together. And I like, am with it. I'm with you, like watching you on this journey. And this was really the first movie in a long time where I felt that. Mm. I loved it. You know, I am reminded of Aladdin, which I did see. <laughs> the live action Aladdin? Yes. Amazing. And Thank you would, for doing the legwork of that, by the way. You know, happy to to be that eyes and ears about this film, which I did want to see and then was quite disappointed in. Um, but that was my, it was like, where, we, I don't care. Yeah. I didn't care about either of them. They, they didn't create a world in which there was a building anticipation for the love story or for them individually. Yeah. And I think you're a thousand percent right. We loved these characters together and we wanted them, or individually, we wanted them to be together. Yeah. We just, we saw it work and it was like a joy to kind of watch them figure it out and fumble it. And like, even... This is maybe a weird thing to say, but I loved the journey of them finding each other because there was one point of the movie where I thought, oh, are they going to lock it up? And they didn't. And I said, great. Yeah. We're adding another element. We're keeping it going because I love in films and I've always wanted to write kind of a movie where 
to the two characters hate each other in the beginning. And there's this, you know, chemistry that's evident, but there's such a banter of like them fighting it. Mm-hmm. And there's such a joy to watch two people who like don't get it. And then they start to get it. And it's just, it, it unfolds so beautifully. Yeah. I think what this movie does really effectively just overall, and then we can kind of get into some like s- examples of it, but is subvert or even kind of enhance the rom-com formula forward into like a new audience and into a new generation and into like getting rid of some of the tropes we've seen before absorbing some ones that work really well and like definitely having those be present but for the most part like kind of changing how this whole love story comes to be and one scene where I really thought that that played nicely was when she's moving to New York to open up her new restaurant Mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to go And she says to him, you know, I really want you to be with me. I, you know, I had a vision of you coming with me to do this. We're going to do it together. It's all about her. But she's like, I I need you to be there with me. Like, you're a part of my life. And this is happening in my life. Right. And I feel like, and he says no. And she ends up getting in the car by herself and going to New York by herself. And I feel like in rom-coms of yesteryear, it would have been this song and dance of nobody really saying what they need and mm. nobody really articulating what they want. Yes. And we would have had the same outcome, but it would have just been this dance of they like... They don't use their words. Right. Because yes. they never do in rom-coms. Yeah. And I found it so satisfying to see this woman Adults on screen. having a conversation about what they need and want. Yes. Mm. And yeah. seeing this woman say what she needs mm-hmm. and that, hey, there's this huge thing happening in my life and I want you to be there and seeing him be like, well, I don't want to be there. And watching that unfold on screen felt so real to me. And in a rom-com, that just would not have happened in like early 2Ks. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about this movie was the power dynamic between the two of them and how successful she was. We've talked about this hundreds of times that we often put women in this bubble where if they have success or money, you know, it puts them romantically at a disadvantage. They're not as, you know, I don't know what the word is, but men aren't as attracted to that or they're threatened. Um, And so it was interesting to see them kind of have it not be something that really mattered, but then it was, how do they talk? It it was an adult romantic film. Yeah. Which was, as you just said, it was that it was so refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying before we started this episode that the taglines that we always start out each episode with were hard to write for this one because I felt like it did so many things that we would want to see in our world. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I feel like sometimes we watch, we watch movies and we do episodes about them and we're like, ugh, can we change, like rewrite? Can we change everything? Yeah. Um, and this for me felt so grounded and really fun. It's Absolutely. really fun. Yeah. It just, it kept kind of evolving in such a beautiful way. Yeah. And I want to say, too, I think that is, um, I would like to give a lot of credit to whose name I'm now going to butcher beautifully. Are you going to talk about the best friend? No, I was going to talk about the director. Do it. The first time um, director uh, whose name, do you know how to pronounce her name? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could try and I don't want to. is something I'm going to try to go with. Go with it. Um, But she is a producer of Fresh Off the Boat, American Dad. Um, She also produced Pepper Ann. Did you ever watch that in Canada? I loved Pepper Ann. I loved Pepper Ann. And she also produced um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which is one of my fave shows. You love that show. 
So I feel like this was the first time she directed and she has such a brilliant eye for moving story along. And I loved the, the cliche of the very aware celebrity playing themselves is a James Vanderbeek trope that she yes. used from Don't Trust the Bee, which was one of the best parts of that show. He's brilliant in that show. And the comedic timing and knowing that and feeling that, I just feel like as her first directorial debut, nailed it. 100%. And this, I think, had the fun cameo elements that I was more looking so for through Wine Country. Yes. Um, like when Keanu Reeves shows up, I could not stop laughing. And I think I missed the whole like first two minutes of his scene because I was just so delighted. It's always fun because when you see a celeb and then the actors act like it's a celeb and then you're like, are they going to play themselves? Yeah. Like there's such a push. There's a little bit of tension there that always when it does happen. Yeah. Um, just lands really well. Yeah. He's so good. And she had like some like ideas in mind of who it's like she's like that cameo was so important because I really wanted it to be someone she's like that I'm attracted to. And that's why Keanu Reeves was cast. Uh-huh. And she's like, but Randall and I like had to both kind of agree on it because his his character has to hate him. Right. Like you, we really have to feel that from him. Mm. And so they like went through like a whole list of like all these people that they would potentially want to get. And then they ended up with Keanu Reeves in the best way. Um, but he was filming John Wick 3 when this was going on. So they were like, right. not sure, not sure, not sure, not sure they were going to get him. And then he Well, he was in between landed. filming in Morocco and yeah. New York. So he had five free days. Yeah. And they, Figured and he saw the script. He thought it was fun. He, he like added some notes. Yeah. They did a rewrite. He was like, I'm in. Great. Let's do it. And then he improvised so much of it and they just like let him loose. Like, I love it. That man is having such a renaissance. He truly is. I never realized how handsome he was. I can't see it, but I, okay. <laughs> I didn't like him. I thought the Matrix was like, I'd never related to no. the Matrix. I never got any Not of that whole me. world. He looked so weird in that movie. I don't care about John Wick. I do like his hair. Great hair. <laughs> I mean, great hair. Not for me, uh, Keanu Reeves. Okay. I hate to tell you. All right. I mean, I feel like I'm forcing it a bit just because he is having such a moan, but. Mm, okay. Yeah, he's not going on the dream board by any means, but <laughs> I mean, whatever. The other shout out I want to give is to Michelle Budo, who plays the best friend. She plays uh, the pregnant. Yeah, Ali Wong's assistant. Hilarious. I feel like we there are some outtakes of the birth or something, or I don't know if they wanted to do a nod to Ali Wong always being pregnant in her Netflix. It seemed kind of out of not out of place or maybe they just wanted to normalize that pregnant women can work i i was kind of waiting for like the other shoe to drop on that joke or that intention and it never came to be and i wasn't sure i just thought it's like an ali wong auteur thing where she's always gonna have a pregnant woman Mm. and it's like always gonna be and she's like wants to be the godmother and it's this whole thing around being the godmother and maybe that was the joke I think that's it. I okay. think that's like all. It ne- I think that's what she needed it to be in the space she wanted it to occupy. And I like what you. S- I like the idea of like normalizing working. Yeah, sure. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I agreed. Love that. I also want to give a shout out to the uh, Randall Park's dad in this, who's played by James uh, Sato. Oh, he's great. Oh, the dad. He really spoke to you. Tell me more. Can I get a spinoff with the dad? Sure. I want it. The two of them, and they're like painters smocks yeah which i went online the other day are you getting one i was like i want a jean button down like painter smock well they're two hundred dollars 
oh, on fuck. a fashion website. What? I know. It's like impossible to find. Can't we just pick this up at Army and Navy? Well, then I said, well, let me do some digging Uh-oh. and found one for like $20 at like a utility store. There we go. But they're in like large to X. It's like very weird sizing. So I have to do more work. But but maybe you it's a could... great look of painter, uh, painters. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a jumpsuit, but like a little bit more Greenwich Village, I feel. Right. Maybe you could get like <laughs> one of the larger sizes and put in an elastic to cinch the waist. Yeah. And then like have it be a little bit more. I, you I can mean, tailor it. I would love for it to be a looser fit, but an extra, extra. I mean, the sizing was yeah, really right. bananas. Aggressive. Right. Not going to fit Probably you. for adult men. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, probably, yeah, for people who work in the industry. <sighs> I'm going to keep looking, guys. I'll okay. keep you posted. I mean, please do because I'm but all t- in too. But tell me about the dad. Well, I just, I loved how that marriage was portrayed. I loved like, so this is Randall Park's dad. The whole, the whole thing about in the story is that his mom passes away when he's 17, about to go away to school. And uh, the dad just broke my heart into a million pieces. When we have like the flashback of him trying to find coffee filters Mm. and he's just frantically opening all of these cupboard doors at, uh, this it's after the service and everybody's back at the house just um mingling and he's like i don't know where she keeps them i never know where she keeps them because she handled all the cooking and she handled just like all of the household stuff that was going on and it's like not about the coffee filters never about the coffee filters about the coffee filters and randall park is like it's okay dad like i'll like i'll i'll find them and he of course opens one cupboard they're in there and like we're resolved but um I don't know. I just thought that it showed how men are affected by, like, uh, oh, my God. What's it? it just went completely out of my head. What's it called? Oh, when you become a widow grief. as a man, um, going through grief, going through, like, how to name it, how to move on with life, because I think that his dad does a better job of moving on than maybe Randall Park does in some ways. And I think he finds closure a little bit easier. Well, I think to your point, they have a conversation later where Randall's like, I had to take care of you. I have to be here. I have to support you. Mom's not here. And he's like, actually, like, you don't. Like, I'm an adult and, like, you need to move on with your life. And they had a really beautiful moment where they both speak their truth about the narratives that they've been kind of living in. Yeah. Which allow them both to grow. And I feel like, again, coming back to the expectations this movie kind of subverted around rom-coms and gendered experiences – I feel like we see women take on that role all the time of needing to be the caregiver and needing to be the person who steps up to like support the parents right, and men right. kind of just get to go live their lives. Totally. And I loved seeing that experience come through with Randall Park's character and him him feeling this obligation to his dad. I did love that scene where the dad was dancing in his room. Oh, that was so adorable. Oh my God. I just want to have that on repeat bookmarked on my laptop so I can watch it whenever I need it was so cute. He really spoke to you, this guy. I really <laughs> love the dad. It's worth it just for the dad. All right. But then there's also other great things happening, too. Yeah. Um, I we- love the scene with the best friend where you have somebody that kind of levels your brain where she's talking about having the fiance who wants to, like, take a year off and go to Thailand and see other people. And like, <laughs> she's like, him. <laughs> and she's like smiling and like, not like, oh my God, like we're going to do this and this and this. And the friend's like, so wait a minute. And like <laughs> that, like unpacking of that scene was like so beautifully done. I mean, how many times have we like talked to our friends and they have like, okay, the, so, okay. okay. 
okay, that sounds like it's his idea and you're kind of getting on board with it mm-hmm. instead of it being your idea because this is your life. Yeah. Oh my God, I loved it. And she's just so, she's such a an anomaly. Or she's like, she's so real. Like Ali Wong's character is so real because she's so successful and she's so like ambitious and has this vision for what she wants her career to be. And she is just like with this man who is a total fuck boy and, but a successful fuck boy. And she's just like being an idiot about it because she has this like one perspective on her career and like everything else is kind of. Well, it sounds like he was supporting her career. Yeah. He was the investor in her restaurant. Yeah. They never got into the power dynamic of. of, I, I was under the impression he was a PR person. That I think, he was shaping her image. Yeah. But I think he's also like has a ton of money caught up in her like restaurants. Maybe. Because I think he was like, he's a financer. And that's why he was hanging out with Padma Lakshmi. I thought he was a branding expert. What? And that's why he was hanging out with her. Because he had moved on to his new project of creating and shaping and like was more of like a. Oh, on the executive wow. team of shaping her to be a star. I thought he made her, he was kind of influential in that. In some capacity, it seems to be the same, whether it's money or influence and, you know. Yeah. I but think he was more obsessed with her career yeah. and shaping that. Then. I mean, he had this whole vision for her that had nothing to do with her. And I think I really like that dynamic as well with you, where you see that with branding experts who are like, we're going to make you a star. And it's like, right. I already am a star. Like, what are we, what are you bringing to the table here? Mm. I like that a lot. Can we talk about her parents? Yeah. What you were, for sure can. <laughs> what were your thoughts there? Uh, Tell me how to feel about them. <laughs> I think they played their role. I think what I think that was trying to kind of get into that perhaps Asian stereotype of parents who just want you to be successful and like that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. They're totally absent during her childhood because they run a Chinese food restaurant. um, And it's really Randall Park's parents who take her in and are like very nurturing. Mm -hmm. But I kind of didn't mind it. I thought it was like, I thought it played its role well. And I think that she was so successful, not because of her parents and not because I think it was showing that she's totally self-made. And like a very self-made woman. I read that differently, actually. I thought that she was successful because she was independent, because her parents left her alone, and because she had the time to like cook and figure it out. And totally like two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I think it's like she because it shows her learning how to cook with Randall Park's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's never been able to like rely on anyone. Right, right. So she's had to just as opposed to Randall Park, who like attaches himself to his dad when his mom dies and is like using that almost as a crutch. Mm. I wish there would was like a little bit more of a dimension with her family because mm. I feel like we kind of got a one note with them of they're like not around and that's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas you so deeply affectionately went on and on about Randall's father. I feel like I would have loved to see maybe a little bit more nuance. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny they were now but, coming back into the fold now that she's successful. I thought oh, that was very interesting. That. Because she's like, well, yeah, you guys well, were it, not around when it, I was a kid. But it didn't sound like it was because of that. It sounded like because they had retired. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think it was because of that. Really? Well, they're flying across the country to go see her and stuff, whereas they couldn't be bothered to be there when she was at, coming home after school. So my interpretation was that her family, you know, was like lower income, whatever, like had to work at the store, the two of them or the restaurant or whatever it was. 
um, you know, had to be there kind of that like immigrant story of like, we're giving up everything so that you can have everything. And then, you know, did that for whatever it was 50 years and either sold it or whatever, but are now living their golden, like they're retired, they're not doing it. So now they want, now that they have the space and time and energy, now they're flying around and being supportive and throwing birthday parties for nephews. So I don't think it was ever that they didn't want to do those things, but I think they, their priority was like more that they had an obligation to like financially make sure that everything was good. Totally. But I think it's like, I don't think that her, I don't think that her totally, it doesn't matter anymore, but I don't think that they're like, Oh, she's successful now. So we're going to like pop by. But she says that to them when they come by to see the new restaurant, when they like bop in on her work and she's like, what are you guys doing here? Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, we're here to like check out the restaurant. And she's like, and then it's like the conversation around like, you couldn't, you weren't around. Like I did all of this. And like, you can't just now come into my life while I'm doing this extremely stressful endeavor of like trying to get this set up. You want to see me? Like, let's figure that out, but don't just bop into my life. Well, I think they're wanting to pick up maybe where they had never left off of like, okay, now we're here. So now we're going to be involved and invested. And it is, it is a shock to her because she's like, well, where the hell were you? Well, it's like a little too little too late. Like it's like, right. She's done it. And it's like, I I liked that she was not looking for their approval. She Mm -hmm. was not looking to them to resolve what happened because I completely agree with you. They were working to support their family and give them a better life. It's like that classic immigrant story. Mm -hmm. And I think that she's like, totally. But that doesn't now mean that like you can come into my work and like, right. Be here. They would have got into it a little bit more now. Yeah. Now that we're like digging around in it. Yeah. I think it would have been interesting to hear maybe more of a naming of that. And they do kind of have that altercation. And then the end, it is resolved by them. Like, spending their own money, I guess, to be at the restaurant. But it didn't feel weighty enough for that Mm. to feel like a big resolution. Mm. I could see that. You know, I could see that. Um, I have to give a shout out to Ali Wong's glasses in this movie because we were talking about them before we even started recording. And I guess during an interview, um, she said that one thing she wanted to do in this movie to set it apart from other rom-coms was that she didn't want to have a traditional makeover subplot of this mm. female lead. Yeah. And so she said it was really important to her that her character has glasses when she's a teenager, glasses and braces, which is so cute. Glasses when she's a teenager, and glasses all the way through as an adult and like to the very end of the movie. And you, we never get a makeover scene. And she just never wanted that to be a thing. I don't think we've ever seen like a heroine wear glasses the whole movie, have we? No. Absolutely not. You know, you throw them on for a pensive moment or or the makeover reveal. Legally, I mean, Elle Woods wears them in Legally Blonde when she's trying to be smart at Harvard Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for a minute. Yep. But no, it's like never a thing. And that's I feel like that's such a small act of resistance. And I really liked that she did that intentionally. Totally. Um, Ali Wong is actually the reason that this movie got made because they did a New Yorker profile about her and basically she was just bantering about projects she'd want to do and she basically was like, you know, Randall and I have always talked about doing one of Harry Met Sally and then the audience clamored for it and they didn't have a script and they said, we better get it together because they've known each other from when she was a writer on the first season of Fresh Off the Boat and, sure. and quite before that as well, it seemed that they had quite a, I watched it. A delightful interview with them today. And you could watch those two chat all day long. All day long. Yeah. They are 
Yeah, I mean, they are 100% like that Billy Crystal, Megan, Megan? Meg Ryan? Meg Ryan. Megan Ryan is all I call her. Um, the 100% that like chemistry and that level of like cuteness. I just yeah. loved them together. I was not expected. I was not expecting to like root for these two as much as I really did. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. Just like had no idea what I was in for. Yeah. Do you have any notes for this movie? None. None. I loved it. Wow, wow, wow. I think because while I was watching it, I remember kind of thinking like, okay, it's a rom-com and like we're doing it. And like, you know, this is I, was, fine. I was really shocked when you texted me because I feel like, are you a rom-com person? Uh, I like a rom-com. I'm not like. I feel like you're a serious yeah, movie. I don't like a ton of rom-coms. Yeah, I was shocked that I you were so I'm racking it. my brain currently trying to think of a rom-com that I truly deeply madly love. You've got mail? Nope. <laughs> I love Still when Harry Ken's met favorite. Sally, but I don't consider it a rom-com, which is funny because it's probably the rom-com. You don't consider it a rom-com? No, but yeah, it must. Yeah, it's basically like the rom-com that started the whole thing, is it not? I mean, started the whole thing is a is a hate Sleepless in Seattle. Never seen I hate it. Tom or Tom Hanks. I thought you loved Tom Hanks. Well, everybody loves Tom Hanks. I don't love Tom Hanks. I don't love him. I think he's Tom Hanks in every movie. Yes. 100%. Agreed. Just saying. No, I don't love Tom Hanks. We've never, I've never said I love Tom Hanks. I think you have a respect for him in the industry. Is that correct? For sure. Okay. There's a lot of movies he's made that I love that only got made because he put money on them. Mm. So we have Mamma Mia because of Tom Hanks. So there's that. Well, all hail. <laughs> take back anything we've ever said yeah um but yeah not typically what's your favorite rom-com that's a very like put moonstruck oh good paul i was expecting you to like blank out there's no question really airplane (laughs) airplane (laughs) yeah no they're not typically my genre yeah it's not but you loved it no notes I think no notes. I think what you said about her parents is an interesting thing to swim around in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the dad and I could have just watched. Gosh. I wanted a dad <laughs> and Ali Wong scene. I wanted them to have a little bit more. Like maybe he like, because she has this blow up with her family, maybe he comes in and he's just like, you know what, kid? You done it yourself and like, it's okay. See, I think she was too hard on her parents. I think he could have came in and said, like, calm the fuck down. It's fine. You were great. You did a great job. They weren't there for you. Like, you guys can figure it out now. I'm already crying. You know, it should have happened. She could have, like, because I feel like at the end of the day, they were sacrificing for her, you know. Also, 100%. Also, I wanted a scene where we tell the dad that the new restaurant is named after his wife. Yeah. I have one note. And then we can skip to the end because it's the end of the movie needs to be talked about at length. Um, I thought the beginning of the college setup was like too long. Yeah. Like I first think, act you thought was a little slow. I think that they were like, okay, we're going to pop into the story, establish what we're doing and then move into the plot. And I thought the edit, it was too long. Like it could have been like seven minutes shorter. Yeah. I think they were really going for the nineties nostalgia play. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. Yeah. 
and it didn't deter my interest, but I thought like, okay, we're going to dive in. This is going to be the first, this is going to be the, our establishing beepity boppity boo. Yeah. And then we're going to get into it. It felt a little, we were like 15 minutes in and I was like, oh, it's, that that's too long. Yeah. I was like a little convinced nothing was going to happen in this movie when I was like going through that. Yeah. The pacing in the beginning was slower, but I think they just had so much fun that they were like, we got to keep everything in. Totally. I also was expecting Constance Wu to like pop in at some point. And I was like, oh, oh. I'm happy she didn't. She shouldn't have. But I was just All like right. the 90s yeah. Randall Park being a rapper thing. I was like, oh, she's totally going to come in as a cameo. But I'm glad she didn't. So the restaurant. Yeah. Was I almost thought that was such an epic moment and such a grand gesture on her part. Thinking about like the gender nuances. Um, I would have loved a little bit more attention to it because my yeah. God, she created a restaurant for his dead mother with all the recipes. Yeah. You know, one of his critiques was that he felt like her restaurants were a bit out of touch, a bit too modern, a bit not rooted in the tradition. Yeah. And she obviously blew it out of the park with this opening and they could have, they could have really leaned into that a little bit more. Totally. It was very rushed and it was, I didn't like, this is maybe a technical personal preference. I didn't like how that shot was filmed because they were up against a wall Mm. and it's this very open, loving, incredible, as you said, grand gesture that she does for him. And they filmed it almost like in a, in a corner of like the bar. And I'm like, we need to, I want to see this where she like leads him up on the street Mm. points to the name name. And it's like, we have this really beautiful moment where it's like, fairy lights and it's like nighttime in the city and like it's just kind of more open it felt like it was on a soundstage You're yeah, right. yeah it just i was like why are we up against a wall why are we at this like weird corner of the bar why like what mm. i guess it's the kitchen because they're sampling the dumplings but it, i'm like no this just doesn't feel right to me i was like because usually when you, you like in a framing when you put a character up against a wall it's because they're in a tight like they're in a tight situation it's tense it's like yeah. you're trying to show that they're in a tough place Whereas this moment is the complete antithesis of that. Well, maybe they meant it to be like kind of an ending antith- because they have their big kind of rom-com moment on the red carpet. Maybe this was meant to be like an after, like a sweet, you know, Maybe they're going unrolling. for cozy. They wanted it to feel intimate. cozy and intimate. Perhaps, perhaps. But yeah, I thought that it was, because I kind of went, what? Like, what? She named the restaurant after so your beautiful. mom? With her what recipes? What a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then it's just... me watching this movie by myself. Oh. Really? <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I'm like, where's my husband and his dead mother? And oh my God. Oh my <laughs> we're God. not watching oh this God. together. Too this much. always happens whenever we cover romantic movies. I always watch them by myself. Yeah. Does Sal not like a rom com? <laughs> Is my husband around? Is he in the picture? <laughs> Hard to say, guys. Maybe Hard a little. To say. I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about the red carpet because what a moment. Yeah. I mean, that was. So this has happened twice now in two movies just this year where the guy makes like a very public grand gesture in front of like a whole paparazzi What's the line. other one? Uh, the new movie with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Oh, I never saw that. What's that movie called? I could never remember that movie title either. I liked it a lot. Really Long to shot. S- Thank you. Yes. I liked it a lot, you guys. I'm surprised. It's on my list that I'll never see, but continue. Oh, heartbreaking. I mean, he makes a grand gesture in front of a whole paparazzi gaggle in that movie, too. Into it. 
I think it's great. And I think these are two movies where we show two men who are not as successful as their partners, just objectively not as successful, mm-hmm. said with confidence, and they don't care because it's not about that. Right. And I'm so happy that we are in an era and that women, young women watching these movies are coming up with romantic comedies that show this dynamic. It's so powerful. Yeah. And I thought it was so nice that at the end he's not proposing. Totally. He's at, he's like requesting like to be supportive and to be submissive. He's literally going to hold her purse. Yeah. The whole like holding the purse narrative. I was like, that's so cute. I love it. And powerful. And I will say too, just in a marriage, you ebb and flow. Yeah. Some years you're going to the white house and you're meeting Oprah and some years you're not. And that's like what it is. You know, you're never always going to be, I mean, in certain situations maybe but life is up and down we're not talking about always be by maybe anymore (laughs) well i'm just saying you you have to learn i think in a partnership to do both sure look at brad and jen i think it's a great thing to to see more men do that in film we always see women i mean yeah that for 10 years you have the most successful sitcom in all of the land it ends he's a star rising and you have to figure out how to support each other. And in that case, but they, they didn't. didn't. Yeah. yeah. In that case, they did not. So it's a bad example. And I regret bringing it up. What's going on with Jennifer Aniston? Um, I drunk texted Justin Thoreau over the weekend. You did? I did. What I did. What does that mean? So how do you have his phone number? I don't. I just texted. I just slid into the DMs. You Wait a minute. Yeah. You got drunk <laughs> and slid into Justin Thoreau's. DMs? Yes. Where did you get drunk? Let's start at the beginning. I was with Nora. Nora Resnick. She's been on the podcast before. We were drinking on a patio. It's a summer Friday. Okay. Um, We're talking about screenwriting and we're talking about how you write a scene. And I was like, I just don't get how people write a screenplay. It's such a like weird concept to me. Okay. Where do you start? Mm -hmm. Like, how does this work? So then I brought up this interview that Justin Thoreau did with Jonathan Van Ness on Getting Curious. And he talks about how... He talks about how they met and Justin Thoreau was making quiche on Easter Sunday and invited JVN over to make quiche. And he invited Are they both New Yorkers. I, yeah. JVN lives here. I think Justin Thoreau splits his time between LA and here. Okay. Makes sense. But they were both in town. And so he like invited him over by like messaging him on Instagram. And I, we were just like killing ourselves laughing about this story. And then I was like, you know what? Justin Thoreau has written a screenplay in his day. Maybe we should just message him and see how you do it. (laughs) So I did. Long story short, I have not heard back, Mm. which is hurtful. And like, I can't believe he would play me this way when I'm asking him to mentor me. Yeah. It's really painful. Shocking. And I even referenced the quiche. I told him that I listened to the interview. I've done the work, Justin. Teach me how to write a screenplay. I don't know. It made a lot of sense for Aperol spritzes in. It sounds great to me. I mean, I've messaged a lot of celebrities on Instagram. and Really? Yes. Who else? <laughs> Questions? I random things? Just saying hi? Yeah, I've messaged Reese a few times. Just begging to be noticed mostly. <laughs> um, I messaged Laura Jern. I messaged Lizzo. I got Elizabeth Gilbert like the other you day. You got Elizabeth Gilbert on eyeballs on your feed, which is amazing. Ayo. I wonder if she read your. I wonder if she read it. Well, she is probably it public re- anywhere. Sh- yeah, I the 
article that I wrote, the newsletter about us seeing her. Yeah. Well, when I posted it, I posted like the first four paragraphs. So she at least read those. That's great. Amazing. And she liked it. Yeah, she liked it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. If there was like a scale of like one to ten, she really, really liked liked it. She liked it, but she also liked it. Yeah. Like, you know. Wow. Anyways, it's become a hobby of mine. And now I can add Justin Throw to the list of celebrities who don't acknowledge me. Really? Well. Whatever. You know, we'll keep we'll keep you in our prayers. I'm not sure I want him to say anything, but I will say that this makes a lot of sense why him and Jennifer Aniston broke up if he has this level of energy. Fair enough. I'm leaning into it. Fair is fair. Anyways, any other thoughts? But always be my maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask. I'm gonna have to add Randall Park and Ali Wong to the celebrities I message on Instagram. Yes, yes, you should. I only message when I have something to say, though. It's not just like a. You don't like comment on their thing. Like if their story is funny, you don't go, that was great. Uh, uh, No, you get enough of that. You get enough of that. I want you to have intentional interactions. See, I specifically say I loved that so that when I do ask a question, they know I'm there for them. Not just like popping in to to get something. Oh, I pop in to get something. (laughs) Like I'm like, let's be honest here. You know why I'm here. We both know what's going on. Tell me how to write a screenplay. All right. Well. There are some online courses you could also. <laughs> he posted his Instagram story, but left me unread. So, well, you know they can look at it and mark it as unread. Maybe he's did that and just is getting into it later. It, it's possible. Maybe he has a long. Maybe flight he's coming looking up. it up. He's saying, "What can I share, what can I with Diana? Share what with resources her? can I give this budding screenwriter?" Oh, just like let's think on it, shall we? Yeah. yeah. That's that's happening. He's, that you're 100 percent right. He's going to make a very very intentional response. Mm-hmm, Keep so. posted. Excellent. I have no other thoughts about this movie. Thought it was super fun, super enjoyable. Definitely one to watch. Maybe with a partner or friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe we I need to get so. your rom com buddy. The first ten minutes with me. Does Jenny watch it with you? <laughs> no. Oh. She was Man asleep. Alive. She was asleep, guys. All right. Well, if you want to slide. My marriage is fine. <laughs> what happened? Oh, my God. If you want to slide into our DMs, you should do so um, at Beaver Talk on Instagram. We'd love it. Definitely let me know if you got a text back from Justin Thoreau, because now it's going to be a competition. Um, happy Feminist Wednesday. I don't follow him on Instagram. Bye, guys. Beaver Talk. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!